surprise. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Exodus chapter 17 is on our heart this morning. Exodus chapter 17. If you would stand to your feet as we reverence the reading of God's infallible, inspired word unto us. Exodus chapter 17, a very familiar text. Exodus 17, verse number 8 is where we want to begin. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. That's the reading of the book of Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13, if correctly read. This morning from this text, I believe God would have us think on this thought. Look at it this way. The importance of the second line. The importance of the second line. Father, would you open our ears and our hearts to the hearing and the receiving of the word of God. Father, please, I'm asking, do not let this message fall on ears that are deaf to the gospel. Father, I pray for those that are not saved to be saved. For those that are discouraged, God, to become encouraged. Lord, I'm praying today that you would strengthen these that hear the word, that today, Father, they might receive a blessing from your word. God, I know you want to bless your people with your word and with your presence. Would you do that in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. I thank you for standing. You may be seated. We see that Joshua is called upon to select men and go out and fight. Moses is going to the top of the hill to serve. But too long we forget the importance of the second line. We oftentimes focus on leaders. We focus on the president. We focus on the king. We focus on the governor. We focus on the sheriff. We focus on the preacher to give them honor. And it's a blessing, and I'm grateful, and they are grateful. But I want to turn the honor, because what good is a president without the people? What good is a king without the people? What good is a governor without the people? What good is a sheriff without the people? And what good is a preacher without the people? The second line plays an important role in the success of the battle, we need to stop long enough to recognize the necessity of the second line 
in the battle that we're involved in. I want to see four things. There are four scenes in this chapter quickly. Number one this morning, I want us to see the scene of provision. In the first seven verses of the chapter, Israel is on a long journey through the wilderness. They are without water. Have you ever been waterless in the wilderness? Verse 3, the children of Israel begin to murmur. They're complaining, consistently complaining. The murmuring of God's people is heard by the miracle of God's provision. Verse 4, Moses cries unto the Lord. It demonstrates his meekness. It demonstrates his patience. It demonstrates his restraint. He could have said, bless God, get your own water. But instead, he listened to their complaint. He listened to their murmuring, and he began to cry out to God. God said in verse 6, Moses, I'm going to stand on the rock before you down there in Horeb, and I want you to go and take the rod, and I want you to smite the rock. And when you smite the rock, water's going to gush forth from the rock, and everybody will have provision. I'll take care of everybody's thirst. I want to say time out long enough to say, thank God for his provision. Thank God for his supply. God's been good, hasn't he, church, in our lives. In the middle of great difficulty, God gave super abundance. God opens fountains of blessings in the middle of our problems. Have you, I need an amen right here. Have you ever found out that God provides when we least expect it? It's a scene of provision. Number two in verse eight. It's a scene of provocation. The Bible says, then came Amalek. Now, we love it when God pours out his blessings on us, you know. But here's the thing. The blessings of God are often followed by great battles. The smile of God is often followed by the snarl of the devil. The hour of triumph may always be followed by an hour of testing. Prosperity is usually followed by adversity. Just this morning in the prayer room, I was reading the scripture to the men how that Jesus was baptized and he was praying. And the Bible said the spirit descended like a dove and there stands the Son of God, innocent and harmless, standing in our place, amen. And the Bible says that God from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit drove Jesus to the wilderness. He went from the place of blessing to the place of blasting, where the devil for 40 days and 40 nights would tempt him sore. But Jesus, praise God, got victory over the devil, and he used the Word of God to receive the victory. Thank God for it. Realize with me that Israel has been supplied with a supernatural blessing in the middle of the wilderness. And at that point in time, then came Amalek. When did he attack? He attacked after the blessing of God. He attacked while Israel was rejoicing for God's bountiful supply. When they were at their highest, then Amalek attacked. You can always count on the devil to attack you when you're at your highest moment. You can also count on that no good, low down, egg sucking devil to attack you at your lowest point. 
Moses said in Deuteronomy 25, 17, Remember what Amalek did to thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt, how he met you by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee when thou wast faint and wearied. What that means is Amalek attacked them from behind. He attacked the feeble. He attacked the weary. He attacked the faint. He knows who's vulnerable. The devil's watching you, church. He knows where you are. He knows how to attack you. He knows where to attack you. He knows when to attack you when you are the most vulnerable in your life. He knows exactly what to do to discourage you. He knows exactly what to do to defeat you. He attacks you at your strongest point and he attacks you at your weakest point. And let me say this, an unguarded strength is a weakness. It is a place or a scene of provocation. It's a place of being attacked. I'm talking to somebody right now this morning. You are under attack. The devil has you on his radar. He is assassinating, attacking, assaulting, aggravating, harassing, hindering. He is upset with you. It is a scene of provocation. Number three, it is also a scene of prevailing. Now, Moses says to Joshua, choose us out men, go and fight with Amalek. Joshua, the great man of God, the great captain, the great general, a type of Christ, he went out and led Israel into the battle just as he was asked to fight and stand against the attack of Amalek. Joshua and the army fought in the battle. Moses went to the top of the hill with the rod of God and he stood and the Bible says when he lifted up his hands, when he was praying, when he was praising God, down there in the valley low, Joshua and the people of God won the battle decisively. They were prevailing. But have you ever, put your hands up. Put your hands up with me. Have you ever been work with somebody and they said, would you hold such and such up while I work? Well, I try to hold this for me while I try to work. And the next thing you know, just you think, boy, I could do this all day long. But just in a little bit, your arm starts getting heavy. And you start getting under load. And I see already some hands starting to drop down. Your hands start, preacher, I'm weary. Preacher, I, hey, that's where the devil's trying to attack you. Preacher, I'm unable. That's the devil trying to attack you. And even Moses, that great man of God with such great strength, came under such a heavy load, the Bible says, that his hands began to go down. Put them down. And when his hands went down, getting tired, weary, and feeble, then Amalek turned the tide and began to back Joshua and the army up and began to defeat them. But Moses saw what was happening and summoned epic strength and lifted his hands back up. And he put them up as long as he could. And he started going back down again. And now we see two men by the name of Aaron and Hur. They went with Moses to the top of that hill. They saw what was happening there. And they recognized and said, Moses, sat down on the rock. That rock is stable. That rock is strong. That rock is my Savior. Hey, sit down. Rest comfortably on the promises and the presence of the Savior. And the Bible says Moses trying to lift up his hands when he couldn't even though he's sitting down. One on one side Aaron, one on the other side of her held his hands up 
until Israel won that battle decisively. With the power of prayer and with the power of praise, Joshua and the people of God prevailed in a great battle. Number four, and I'll be done. There is the scene of perception. I want us to think this morning about Aaron and her. To me, in this situation, all eyes are on Joshua. All eyes are on Moses. Set him down, lift his hands up. He's really struggling, doing what he can. Thank God for Moses. Thank God for Joshua. But I'm telling you, youngins, if it hadn't been for the importance of the second line, Aaron and her, for the support, for someone staying behind, for someone encouraging, the battle would have been lost. They would have been defeated. May I say this morning that Aaron, four things about them, Aaron and her are invaluable. They'll all start with the letter I. They're invaluable. When Moses was carrying a load, it was really Aaron and her behind the scenes that were carrying and lifting up that load. You may say, Preacher Aaron, I wish I could preach like you. I, I wish I could sing like so-and-so. I wish I could play the piano like so-and-so. I wish I could play the organ like so-and-so. I wish I could teach like so-and-so. Honey, if you'll get behind them and you'll lift their hands up, you are singing like so-and-so. You are preaching like so-and-so if you'll get behind them, amen. May I say this morning, you take a general and a general stands up and he gives out the orders. The general gives out uh, uh, the, the, uh, the game, the battle plan, the strategy. He's telling people this is what needs to be done. And the captain hears it. He relays the orders to all through the ranks. But you know who really fights the battle? The buck privates. They're the ones that carry out the orders. They're the ones doing the decisive parts of the battle. Let me say this, church. What happens to Bethel Baptist Church and what happens to the community in which she stands and serves without the second line, men and women carrying out the orders that are declared from the pulpit? This is not a one-man deal. I cannot do it on my own, honey. It's going to take some people getting behind us to carry out the battle plan decisively. If you don't fight, if you don't stand, men and women, in this community, the devil wins. Are you hearing me? You must carry out the directive. You must carry out the orders. Preacher Darren, I want to, what can I do to lift up your hands? I'm going to tell you this. When you come back on a Sunday night or a Wednesday or a Sunday morning, you're lifting up my hands just by your presence. Have you ever taught a class and nobody was there? Have you ever preached to empty pews? I remember what it was like in COVID, Luke, standing there in the house, and it was me and you and Miss Gina and maybe Carrie or Shelby, Brian, and my dog, Glacia, and that's all I had to preach to. And I didn't know it was going out to maybe thousands of people. But it's discouraging when I had to come to church and the governor said, all you can do is preach to 10 people. That's all we're going to let come. So we moved the service outdoors. And you know what? You come by the droves, by the hundreds, and parked your cars to hear the gospel. And when you did, you were lifting up my hands with encouragement and, and blessing. And I appreciate your support. Did you realize when you come back to the house of God, you are lifting up Moses' hands that the battle may be won. But when you don't, you're letting his hands down and the battle will suffer in defeat. 
So I can teach, I can preach, I can challenge, I can inspire you. Great. But if you don't carry out the orders, what good is it? They're invaluable. Second of all, they're involved. Now Aaron and Hur may not be like great warriors like Joshua and those in that battle. Not everyone can do the visible jobs. But who is it that did the fighting? Well, preacher, there's Joshua and the people. Let me tell you something. It's not just the general. It's not just the captain. It's not the sergeant. Not just the lieutenant that's doing the battling, the fighting. It is the buck private that is fighting today. Do you hear me? You know what you can do? Preacher Darrell, I don't get this. I want you to think for a second. Who is it? Say I'm a gunman. And I've got the gospel gun ready to shoot and fire it. But hear me. If you don't come and have a supply line of ammo, I'm going to run out. Well, preacher Darren, the, pre the word of God is inexhaustible. It'll never run out. That's exactly right. But there needs to be some people that are praying for the man of God, that are supplying a, a supply chain, a prayer line, tithes, offerings, gifts, invaluable presence and support. You're supplying an ammo line. Right there, that's the ammo line. You're, you're, you're running up and saying, here, preacher, shoot the gospel gun again. Preach it again, preacher. Dad. You're supplying the ammo line. Do you get it? Amen. And without it, we lose. There was a great man of, uh, there, there was a, a young man. He was a great young man. And people knew him from all over. And they came to pay him honor. And there were great, rich, wealthy men, politicians came to, to give him honor. They gave him certificates and awards and a gold cup. And they started saying, speech, speech, speech. And the boy stopped and said, you want me to speak? He said, mama, will you come up here? His mama got up just with her little old common shoes, a gingham dress, calloused hands. Didn't look like she would be somebody fit to be on stage. But she walked up. He said, you want to know how I can receive these awards? I don't deserve any of them. But behind me was a precious mama who labored day and night, who prayed for me and supported me, did without food, my mama did, did without nice clothes, my mama did, got calluses on her fingers so that I could stand here and receive these awards. You want to know where the awards go? He took his certificate and his gold cup and the chain and took them off and put them on his mama and said, Mama, and bowed and said, Mama, you deserve all the honor, all the glory, all the accolades. And men and women were speechless. I want to say to you today, church, this is not a one-man deal. And behind you is a mama. Behind you is a daddy. Behind you is a somebody. It's been encouragement and a blessing in, my, in your life. You would not be where you are today were it not for their involvement in your life. Back of us preachers, if you think, well, they're successful, they're doing it. Honey, what you don't realize is there are people toiling in factories, giving their tithes so that we might be here today. There are people, back of us, toiling in tears, streaming down their face so that we might be here today and we today honor them because you faithfully lifted up your hands down through the years. That's why we are here today. Let's honor the importance of the second line. They are involved in what's going on. Next, they're invisible. Now, I can read about Aaron in the scriptures. 
but I find the name her. It's a man. Let me take time out to say we need men like her. And it not be weird in the day and age in which we live. How's that for your woke group? Amen. Her has not been heard from in the scriptures yet. He's been invisible. I've researched. I can't find him anywhere. He's someone who is living in the shadows. And yet there he stands out of nowhere to to make sure that Israel wins the battle. Performing thankless tasks. Being faithful anyway. Did you know there are preachers like me that have won long ago, given up, had it not been for somebody behind the scenes that was there to lift up our hands in prayer, in support to back us. I think about my wife today who suffers from MS. And a lot of times people are like, well, she ought to do this or she ought to. Let me tell you, you have no idea what she deals with just physically, much less with me. With a preacher who comes home and oftentimes trying to preach and get discouraged. If you've ever taught a class, you know what I'm talking about. You get discouraged, you get downtrodden, you may get off in despair. She hears my murmurings, she hears my complaints. And you know what she does? She says, she shrugs them off. She prays for me, she encourages me. She said, You're helping more than you think you are. Stay in the fight, honey. Stay in the battle, darling. And I appreciate her so much. Back of me in heaven right now is a younger brother by the name of Michael. I remember back in 2007 when this building was being dedicated. My brother came in here with cameras, standing up in the middle of the dedication service to take a picture of my dad preaching the dedication charge, take a picture of the beautiful facilities that God has given us. There were people looking at him like, now's not the time to stand up. Now's not the time to be recognized. You're interrupting our service. But you know what? He didn't give a rip. He was so proud of the house of God. And you know what he's proud of? He's proud of his brother. He said, you go, boy. <laughs> you go, boy. When people said, you can't do it, you'll never get it paid for. This will never work. I can't wait to see it flop. I can't wait to see it fail. My brother said, don't listen to him. Just keep preaching. Just keep standing. I'm behind you. Look at these beautiful pictures. And now my brother's been taken away to heaven. And I don't have that in my ear anymore to encourage me and to help me along the way. But you, you have picked up the banner. You have picked up the flag. You have picked it up and said, Preacher Darren, we can do it. Us and God, we can do it, Preacher Darren. We're behind it. We're strong together. Let's go for the glory of God. I think about mother and dad. How oftentimes I'd get upset and bothered and Maybe, I don't want to say a lot to my dad because he's a preacher too. But every now and then when you get in the mud hole, you say, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. And man, he gives you that advice. Hey, thank God for mom and dad. Lift up our hands. I thought about Percy Ray down at Camp Zion. That one place has influenced my life. It may affect it may upset you or affect you in a negative way, but I'm telling you that one place in my life has been an oasis. It has changed my life more than any other place besides Calvary upon this physical earth. Brother Percy was the man of God that was preaching when I got saved. My daddy would take me down to hear the man of God preach and those other great men of God from 8 o'clock in the morning till 10 and 11 o'clock at night. I too later on would take my own children and I'm telling you it's rocked their world. It's changed them for the glory of God. Brother Percy told us, he said, 
There was a time in their church of about 35 that they were trying to build this camp for thousands of people to come. Thousands of young preachers surrendered to preach. Thousands of young men and young women getting saved. The battle was on that day. And he stood in the pulpit and the church broke out in a fricass. They got in a fight. They started fussing and arguing so much so against the man of God that finally he said, you know what? I'm a young man. God's called me to preach. He saved my soul. I don't need this much. I'm just going to walk. They didn't even know he was leaving. I'm walking out the back door. I'm going to the house, and I'll just go somewhere else. Have you ever been like that, that you thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go somewhere else, and God will just let me go somewhere else. So he walks out of the pulpit, and as he walks out of the pulpit, and he, gets, he goes through the choir loft, out to the back door. When he gets there, and nobody's even missed him, there was a woman standing there. And she said, God told me this morning the strangest thing. God told me to stand at the door behind the choir loft. And when you come out, I was to tell you to go back. And there she stood. And she put her hands, dropped her hands off the doorknob, put her hands on his shoulders and said, Son, God said, go back in that pulpit and just keep preaching. I've been praying for this for three years and fasting off and on. And son, this is the will of God. God's with you. I'm with you. Just go. And well, I want to run so bad. Thank God this morning for a little old lady that it all been changed. And a little old lady not been standing at the back door. Thank God for somebody that was lifting up the man of God's hands because it's all fit that I could get saved, that I could hear the gospel, that I might be called to preach, that I might stand before you and hopefully encourage you along life's way. I think about Dr. General William Booth. Dr. Booth was a great speaker with a massive education in the Methodist church. He went to the Methodist conference and the women had to stay in the balcony in those days and all the men were on the floor. And Dr. Booth got up to the bishop over the conference and said, Bishop, I have a burden for the street people of London. I want to resign my church and go do a work in the streets ministering to the winos and the drunks and the harlots and the drug addicts that they might know Jesus. And the bishop rebuked him and denied his request and said, do you think we would waste a man of your invaluable education and ability? Your request is denied. And Dr. Booth sat down, defeated and encouraged. And from the balcony, run to the front of it, Grabbing those beams on her front up came his wife, Catherine. And she said, William, don't listen to the bishop. Listen to God. She said, I'm with you, William, and so is God with you. And Dr. Boo said, I resign anyway. And he, whoa, he walked out of that church with his, arm in, with his wife's arm in tow. She said, I'm going with you every step of the way, and so will God. And he started the Salvation Army. And listen, when he died for three days and three nights, people came in in a line by the thousands to visit his body before they laid it in the grave. For seven days after the funeral was over, people were still standing, weeping, mourning. People that were, that were saved, harlots whose lives were changed, drug addicts whose lives were changed. Honey, let me tell you something Dr. Booth would say. 
My wife was behind me. I've got some winos and some people that got saved that got behind me. A word of encouragement would go a long way this morning. When was the last time you walked up to somebody and said, Luke, son, I want to tell you something. I love you. Stand up, boy. Stand up. Son, I want to tell you something. I'm right proud of you. I love you. I appreciate your stand. You stay with the gospel every step of the way. I love you, boy. You stay with it, amen. A word of encouragement. Justin, stand up, boy. I want to tell you something. Son, I love you. I appreciate you, buddy. You stay with the gospel. You stand. You keep walking with Jesus Christ. Joshua, stand up, amen. I love you, son. God bless you. I'm behind you. Anything you need, I'll do what I can. I've lifted your hands up, boy, that you might get victory, that you might be encouraged. I love you, son. Caleb, you stand up. I love you, son. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank God for you. You've been such a help to me. I want you to know that, Joshua. Caleb, I love you. I appreciate you. Joshua, stand up, son. I've seen you get saved. I'm so proud of you and your little family. God bless you, son. Thank you for your stand. Stay faithful. Brother Keith, me and you have been sitting here on these pews 22 years together serving God. I love you, Brother Keith. I appreciate you. Hallelujah for you. I pray for you. Thank God for you. I will lift your hands up that y'all might get victory in every aspect of your life. I can go around this room and tell you I'm praying for you. I love you. I'm lifting you up. God knows it's the truth. Get behind one another. Stand for one another. But don't pull your preacher's hands down. Don't pull somebody's hands down. Lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Amen. Get involved in their life. You may be an invisible influence, but you will be a positive influence. Help us, Lord. I'm almost done. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, you don't have to turn, chapter 12, verse 1, that I see at seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses that you know this morning from heaven they're looking on. I remember playing ball. Man, we'd be in a war. I mean, Corey, it'd be a tight game. And then all of a sudden, we get called over for a timeout by our coach. And he's not blessing us out because we've made mistakes. He's laying out the strategy and the battle plan that we might get victory. Boys, don't worry about it. The pass is behind us. Now, this is what we're going to do. We're going to run this. We're going to cut here, set a pick there, back screen there. A three-pointer is going to open up or the download pass. Be ready for it, boys. Be ready. Run it. All three, break it down. One, two, three, Crusaders. Break it down. And then we go out. This is what we heard. Cheerleaders on the sidelines. There they was over there doing their little kicks, their little jumps. Right, I throw my back out. And they'd say, fight, team, fight. Hold the line, hold the line. Fight, team, fight. Win, win. And man, when they, there's just something, man, when I heard them cheerleaders cheering and all that crowd getting excited, getting behind us, man, I'm telling you, my blood turned to iron. My blood turned to liquid steel. I'd break my bones, break my back, whatever it took. We're going to win that game because that crowd confidenced us. That crowd got behind us. And honey, we executed the battle strategy and we won. Honey, listen to me. I have read the back of the book and we win. We win. We win. Hallelujah to God. We're on the winning side. Amen. There's a crowd from heaven. They're looking on right now. They're saying, Gene Smith, stand for God and right.
They're saying, Brother Paul, Brother Jim, Brother Rick, Brother Roger, stand. Brother Richmond, stand for God and right. Brother Bobby, keep teaching. Stand for God and right. Brother Daniel, stand. They're cheering you on. Stand for, I mean, your mama, your daddy's looking on. Honey, I'm telling you, you ought to bow up your back and say, I'm not laying out. I'm going to be more faithful than I've ever been. I'm going to get behind my preacher. I'm going to get with my church. And we're laying the hammer down for the glory of God. Here we go. There are people. Brother Doug, Brother Tim, Brother Tony, Brother Jerry, Brother Kenneth, Brother Duck. There are people that confidence you men. They look at you, Brother David, they have confidence in you. You hear me? If I know that people have confidence in me, they are looking to me, they expect some things of me, and I'd rather die. I had rather lay down and die that have people lose their confidence in me in Jesus Christ. Luke, Shelby, I'd rather die as y'all lose confidence in your daddy. Carrie, I'd rather die as you lose confidence in your father-in-law. Honey, I love you, and I'm so thankful for you. Will you hear me this morning? People have confidence in this church. We need to rally. We need to get to work. We need to be, are you hearing me? We can win if we get together. There's somebody watching you now on earth. They're dependent on you. The devil's turning his attacks on you, trying to defeat you, trying to discourage you. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. In the last few weeks, I have felt the devil turning every weapon he had of discouragement, physically, spiritually, not being able to be as faithful as I once was, can't study as much as I once did. And I've said, God, I might not have been able to study this morning like I wanted to, so God, you make it a good one. If, 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 if it's possible, God, you make it the best and, and you defeat the wiles of the devil. And I feel, I feel in my life the devil trying to cause my hands to drop. And if you're a Christian, you'll know. You'll feel when your hands are starting to drop a little. And then here y'all did show up today. Started amen in your preacher. And next thing you knew, it comes on him like a Holy Spirit began to move like a wild man on him. And he gets up and lays back, lathered up, and preaches the word of God that God's people might get helped. There's nothing like that today, amen. And I will say this and I'll be done. So we see then that Aaron and her were invaluable. They were involved. They were invisible. They were invested. You may not have a high profile position today, but may I remind you somebody's watching Miss Beverly, those children you brought up here, thank God for every one of them. They're watching my life. I sat there, God said, every one of them, they're singing about how they love their preacher, but they're watching you. They're counting on you. They're expecting something for you as you sit there. And then there's a whole schoolhouse full of people, young people, that's looking to you as an example. An example of what? What am I an example of? I want to be an example of the love of God. One of the classes said, made their, one of the teachers said, I want the kids to write down what do I love or what do I admire, what do I respect, whatever the word was, about Preacher Darren. <laughs> I started reading him cards just from, I don't know what grade it was, first grade, second grade, whatever it was. They started reading him cards. And they said, well, I appreciate the fact. One of them, this is what he said. 
I appreciate the fact that when he preaches, he dresses right. Wasn't that weird? I've never been on the, on the clothesline. I don't preach on it. I don't, I'm not a legalistic person. One of them said, I really like his shoes. And I looked down at my feet and God said, I order every step you take. And those kids, they ain't just talking about your shoes. They're watching the steps you take. And then one of them says, I love how he loves me. One of them said, he knows my name. Yes, he does. And a bunch of them said, he preaches to us and he prays for us. And I want to tell you something, church, I love y'all. I want to preach to you. I want to love you. But I cannot do this by myself. And the older I get, the weaker I get. But I, it's never been a one-man deal. I just want to take time this morning to tell you that I appreciate you. This is your appreciation day, not mine. I lay it down to you. It is your honor. And I mean, I'm giving glory to God when I do it. I'm laying it down for you. Yours is the honor today. This is your day of honor for faithfulness and service and appreciation of God. Will you hear me? There are people today who's not saved that's watching you. And there's no unimportant duties in this church. You must know that your life is an investment in the kingdom of God. Well, I preached my little heart out today. But I just want to take time to say this. It's not about me. It's about God blessing you to help us do a great work in our community. And if that school is ever to really, really, really make a dynamic impact, it's going to take us really getting behind the lives of young people. If this church is really going to do what she needs to do, we, listen, Luke, come up here. Joshua, come up here. Now what I want you to do is I want you to pull my hands down. I don't need people to pull our hands down. I need people to push our hands up for the glory of God. That's what we need. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you stand to your feet today. Don't pull your family down. Lift them up today. I'm asking you. Maybe. Seth wants you to come play. But for listen now, listen to me. There may be a somebody in your life you need to get a hold of. It may be a husband. It may be a wife. It may be a mama. It may, you know, this ought to be a family thing. Mama, I want you to know today is your honor. All I am, mama, is because of you. I'm respecting God when I do it. I'm telling you, there's some people today. You ought to... Drop your pride and get a hold of each other. Say, I want to thank you. Maybe there's a special friend, a somebody that's been such an inspiration to you that you need to go to them and say, I just want to let you know, I want to pray with you. You've been such a help to me, such an encouragement to me. I want to let you know, is there somebody you'd come? Maybe this whole family, this all ought to be full. Come on, Grandma. Come on, Mama. Come on, Daddy, right now. Come on. Bring them, young people. Come right now. Come right now. Lift one another up in love. Come on. Come on. Come on. God's blessing. God's moving. Come on. Come on right now. I'm coming. Preacher, I'm coming. Come on right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep coming. That's right. Keep coming.
God's still moving. God's still working. There's some folks you still need to come. Come on. Our Father and our God, as we bow this morning in your presence, Lord, we give you praise, honor, and glory. Father, we're so thankful, Father, to have this opportunity to call upon the name of Jesus. For he and he alone is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. And this morning, Father, thank you for Bethel Church, who've got behind the work of God and lifted up hands that the battle might be won. Hundreds of souls saved. Tremendous amounts of growth. Young people, Lord, that's excited about Jesus. The elderly that's faithful and still serving God. Thank you for them, God. Would you prosper them? Would you prosper marriages? Young people in the home. Would you bless in businesses in our community, Father? Lord, would you allow us to receive the fat of the God's blessings? Thank you for a precious wife. Oh, Lord, I love her today. May your hand be upon her to bless her health. And I ask your blessing upon our children and their loved ones and our grandchild, God. Lord, I ask your blessing in Jesus' name. I lift up the hands of these at Bethel Church today to say, God, would you give us victory over the attacks of Satan, over what the enemy's trying to harass and hinder us with, would you give us victory? May it be accomplished by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And for this I pray in Jesus' name.